Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And it really, if you haven't looked out the window, it really is a bit of a winter wonderland out there today. I actually had to do a double take when I looked out the window and it was early enough this morning. It was about six o'clock, so it was still dark. I thought it was actually snow. There was so much frost. Uh, well, I, when I was looking out the window that I really did, I did a double take. But if and for photographers, if you're into those sort of lovely wintry scenes, it'll be fantastic to get out and get uh, photographs. And this cold spell set to last, but cold and dry. And, and I always kind of feel cold and dry. You know, you can wrap up. It's when it's wet. I think we're, we all complain. But cold and dry, you can wrap up. But the problem is, is if you have to drive anywhere, there seem to be some tricky driving conditions this morning. And I know we had uh, reports in all over the place of, of you know I know the Mallow to Cork Road people were saying was at an absolute standstill and Marsha gets collected on a bus to get taken to her day placement in Charleville there, her bus was about a half an hour late this morning and that was just down to the road conditions everything was very very slow you to take it very easy and we did get on to the council who tell us that all of the main roads were gritted because always when we get conditions like this people say oh, where the council were they outgritting they were outgritting but it was all of the main roads but the secondary roads wouldn't have been outgritted uh, and it was the secondary roads I think that was causing a lot of problems and by the way we got this from the council's website they say that the spreading of salt does not mean that the road surface will necessarily be ice free in freezing conditions always drive with great care even if the road has been salted so do uh, take it easy out there so this cold but dry weather it's going to last probably for the rest of this week according to Met Aaron and the reason for it is we have a high pressure system dominating our weather. You'd be kind of thinking wouldn't a high pressure system mean we're in for warm weather but it doesn't it means the exact opposite. So we're going to have for tonight example more frost and fog is expected but the, the county is really going to be split down the middle uh, tonight. The south and east of the county and indeed the south and east of the province is going to have the frost and the fog with temperatures going minus one could go to minus two degrees Celsius but then the west of the province temperatures will be between two and six degrees if you're in the west so I'm assuming in the west you certainly won't be expecting uh, frost uh, overnight then Wednesday is going to be a cloudy day but again it's going to be another dry day just the little chance of a little bit of drizzle at the very most and Thursday and Friday again Met Aaron saying it's looking like it's going to remain cold but mainly dry good deal of cloud about but there will be some sunny breaks as well so wrap up warm if you're heading out this morning and just be careful because the footpaths I saw some of the children heading off to school 
and they even seemed a bit nervous. Normally the children love sort of skating down footpaths but you could see some of them were being very, very careful so the footpaths, you need to give it a couple of hours. As I say, there is a gorgeous sun out there at the moment and I'm looking out at clear blue skies. It looks gorgeous while I'm sitting here in my toasty, nice warm studio but it is bitterly cold out there. But the, the sun is out and the temperatures are starting to rise. It's about two degrees now so another couple of hours it should defrost unless it's, you're in a very shaded area. And of course, if you're in a very sh- shaded area, I mean, where I live, the sun never seems to land until the evening time at the front where the footpath is. So our footpaths can be icy all day long. They'll never actually uh, thaw out. So you need to be careful on footpaths like that and be careful on all of those roads. As I say, the council say the grishers have been out, but that's only on the main roads. Now, I want to very quickly, before we take a look at what's coming up on the programme today, and by the way, John Paul is taking your calls at 1850 You can also text the programme, text already coming into us 08621. 103103. We're still unfortunately having tef- technical difficulties with the WhatsApp, so don't WhatsApp us until further notice. So text uh, normal text messages to 0862 103 103. But last Friday and back across Thursday and Friday, we had some very busy programmes when people were contacting us about Bantry General Hospital and the worries and the concerns and it had been highlighted because local doctors, uh, the GPs and doctors working at the hospital were concerned that there's this plan by the HSE to downgrade the hospital and it would basically mean that ambulances at the moment that head to Bantry Hospital will be bypassing the hospital and they will be going straight to Cork University Hospital instead and people are worried, people are concerned We heard from doctors last week who said lives will be lost if there's any downgrading or if there's any changes made to Bantry General uh, Hospital. And we had gotten on to the HSE about Bantry Hospital and they issued us with a you know quite a worthy statement last week talking about the investment and investment in the hospital is terrific and we all welcome that and they were very clear and very adamant that there was no plans to downgrade Bantry Hospital. So then I was thinking are we asking the wrong questions? Let's put some, some very specific questions in. So we did, we put two that we were really looking for yes no answers to. One was their plans to change Bantry Hospital to a Model 2 uh, hospital, a full Model 2 hospital. Not a, At the moment it seems that it is a Model 2 hospital but it acts as a Model 3 hospital from what I can gather. So I wanted to see would they even clarify that for us and then the second question was about 24-7 anaesthetic cover which means you'd have to have that in order to accept patients 24 hours a day, 7 days a week because their initial statement focused on the hospital maintaining 7 days but it didn't say anything about 7 days 24 hours uh, a day. So we asked them those uh, two questions and they got back to us. They didn't get back to us before the close of the programme, even though John Paul had been on to them. I, I, I don't know if he lost count of the amount of times he called and emailed them on Friday saying we're still waiting for an answer. We're still waiting for an answer. Now, I forgot to get the exact time that this came in, but I think it was after, it was certainly after four o'clock when John Paul sent it on to me. So I'm assuming that it was around that time that the reply, we finally got the reply uh, to to our two questions that we were looking for yes no answers to and the statement from the South South West Hospital Group was the South South West Hospital Group can confirm there are no current plans to downgrade Bantry General Hospital the group have nothing further to add to the previous statement on this matter so that was all we got from them last week and the echo 
are today uh, highlighting the story as well because they were in fairness probably the first newspaper to highlight this story uh, last week and they on their front page are talking about the HSE being accused of dancing around the issue of whether or not there are any plans to downgrade or change, if we don't want to use the word downgrade, uh, change the status of Bantry General Hospital, particularly the acute admissions service in a move that would see, as we mentioned, all the ambulance instead bypass Bantry Hospital and go straight on to Cork University uh, Hospital. And the reason for all of this and the reason that people are concerned and the reason that the doctors have come out and gone public on this is because they have a copy of an email which I which I have seen, by the way, that was written by Dr. Michael Power. Now, Dr. Michael Power is the national clinical lead for critical care programmes in the HSE. And he said his input would be that Bantry General Hospital be downgraded. And funny enough, he mentioned to a level two hospital. That's why I was surprised when I did some research at the weekend to find that Bantry is already classed as a level two hospital. And yet we have somebody who's high up in the HSE saying it should be downgraded to a level two hospital. So I'm a bit confused over that one. And the South South West Hospital Group have always claimed no plans to to uh, downgrade it. But they're still refusing to clarify Dr Power's comments or his comments on the plans in the future for Bantry Hospital. Now, I took great comfort from when I spoke with the what is currently the Junior Minister of the Department of Health, Jim Daly, and he said all of the meetings he's been at, and he's been at meetings with Dr Power as well, he said it has never been mentioned, there has been never been any talks of anything changing at Bantry General Hospital, and he was, you know, quite categorical in that, that there were absolutely no plans. And when I asked him about Dr. Power's views, he said that's the views of one man and that one man can't make the decision. So, and I took some comfort from that. But I would still prefer if the South South West Hospital Group came out and once and for all put to bed Dr. Power's comments and almost said the same thing that Minister Jim Daly said to us. Let the HSE come out and say, this was the view of one man you know, we in the HSE, particularly we in the South South West Hospital Group, do not agree with his views. It's just his opinion. And I think that would put it to bed for once and for all. So we still await that. So just, just, just to let people know, because I know we had a lot of calls in and comments in last week from people saying anything else from Bantry. So that's the very latest. There is nothing else to add to it. If anything else breaks and we hear any more on that story, we certainly will bring it to you. And thank you to Alan, who's to one of the first in with the text this morning to 0862 103 103 to say, Hi Patricia, I contacted your show last Friday regarding calls from a foreign number. These are the scam calls. Well, they try calling me again on Saturday. The numbers they are calling from is a plus three three eight nine one zero six, and And there was two different numbers. They start with plus three three eight nine one zero six, and then they differ after that. One goes to 1651 and the other goes to 1627. If you could just please make listeners aware of these numbers, it might actually help prevent them from getting caught out. Thanking you, Alan. And that's Alan. Thank you, Alan. Of course, some of the smartphones will actually tell you the country it originates from. You know, they'll tell you what foreign country it's, it's coming from. Others, like Alan's, you'll just actually get the number some phones you're able to block the number but even by blocking the number they'll just use a different number to call you from so they just they seem to have a lot of phones and remember they're computer generated so don't think that somebody sitting in a foreign country actually you know 
typing in your number to the phone. They're not. It's all computer generated and they're half the time they're just making up the numbers as they're going along and of course the computer can generate tens of thousands of the numbers and out of the tens of thousands there will be a percentage of them will be real numbers. So don't in any way think that you as an individual are being targeted. You're not. But those scam calls are still doing the rounds. They're still out and about. You need to really bring your A game every time you answer the phone, which seems absolutely ludicrous, does it not? 1850-333-103. And just one more quick text in. This is on Litter. Morning, Patricia. You had a section on your show recently about a problem with rubbish dumped in a residential area. And thankfully, the issue was dealt with. But I'm wondering... What, do you, what has to be done to get an area cleaned up? The reason I'm texting is an area in the Forest View estate in Mallow is an absolute eyesore. It is full of rubbish. Now, the text says, along with human and dog faeces, human faeces, I can understand the dog faeces, but I can't understand the human faeces. Anyway, could uh, somebody get photographs? I'd love to see photographs of that just to try and see for sure that it is human faeces. Anyway and there's also furniture thrown in a green area. It's an absolute disgrace. Now the council have been notified but their response is put it in writing. They know of the situation but they've done nothing about uh, it. Well I would always say to people if there's a particular area like that take the Take the photographic evidence, get onto the council, you're right to get onto the council put it in writing. If that's what they ask for send them an email write a traditional letter, get it in writing to them, get your neighbours to write. Because remember, the, it's the, what is it, the squeaky wheel always gets the oil. If you kick up enough fuss, I mean, in the council's defence, they're straight. They are working, uh, they're straight, you know, they have a lot of work on their place. They don't have as much outdoor staff as they once had. There was a time where they would literally get a call like that and they straight away would have a, a crew and a team ready to be able to go out and clean up that area. But of course, that isn't always possible. But if you draw enough attention to it, it eventually will get sorted out. So I'd suggest, and I don't know from that text when they, they were asked to put in writing, if they did, if you haven't, I would suggest please put it in writing and get onto your neighbours and friends and anybody else who lives in that area or was affected by it uh, to get onto the council. And, you know, as I say, if there's enough of you shouting, you will it will get sorted out. Now, coming up on the programme this morning, this is a story that we're running on our news this morning to do with the scourge of cocaine. And this one kind of, you know, when I woke up and I was listening to the news this morning, when I heard this, I was kind of, is that for real? Is that actually happening? And it seems young people getting ready for their Debs. The Debs can be an expensive night out and let's be honest the children are still in schools few of them will probably have part time jobs but the majority of the Debs is funded by parents maybe the young people do a little bit of saving out of their pocket money but the majority of it is done by uh, the parents mummy and daddy will be paying and for the girls obviously there's the dress there's the hair and the makeup there's the shoes there's the bag uh, most most in leaving so now are 18 because of transition so I suppose you've got to factor in some money for a few drinks as well for the boys there's the hiring of the suit there's the shoes the boys then will have to buy the corsage the flowers for the girl maybe a box of chocolates uh, for the mammy boys will probably want to factor in a few pints well they might go to the barbers as well and have a hot towel shave so there can be a lot of money associated with it some as we know over the years have gone the full uh, the, the full um, service and will organise limos you know others will get together you know group will get together and organise a bus so there is there's 
costs associated with according to an addiction counsellor they're now also factoring in the cost of how many lines of coke they're going to need how much cocaine will they need to get them through the Debs to get them through the whole night and maybe on the next day to let them have breakfast before they before they go home shocking shocking story so we're going to be speaking about the scourge of cocaine on the programme this morning. We're also going to hear from a human rights lawyer who's going to address the issue of landlords, male landlords, offering free rent in exchange for sex. This was the story that we did last week with Anne Murphy from The Echo. And actually, I was reading some of Anne's pieces during the week. She followed it up with females who are putting ads in online. I don't know if they're going into newspapers but they're certainly putting them online looking for sugar daddies. They're looking for nice wealthy man who is willing to pay for any, everything for the young people and in return the, these young ladies will be very nice to them. But anyway, we're going back to the free rent in exchange for sex and we want to definitively find out if that is an illegal act or not. We're hearing about banks who are look, looking for new laws to be introduced in order to help them help separated people who are in mortgage arrears and unfortunately people who are separating particularly in today's world can find themselves with these huge big mortgages and what do you do if one is living in the house one leaves the house what if you have one person who's willing to pay towards the cost of the mortgage and another person who isn't or maybe isn't in a position to pay towards the cost of the mortgage in the same way as they were when they took out the mortgage and it's a bit of a nightmare for the banks as they are trying to come up with solutions and we know that that's what banks are doing at the moment and we ran that uh, really good Awalia feature on the programme over a number of months uh, last year where we spoke about the different solutions that are out there to people who find themselves in mortgage arrears you know and the one line we were putting out the whole time from Awalia under the MABS service is that there is a solution for everyone but that's okay when you have everybody in the party willing to engage. What if you have separated couples who are not even speaking to each other and it's a very acrimonious breakup? That can be a big big problem for banks as they're trying to sort out a solution to the mortgage arrears so we'll talk about that uh, today it's, it's funny we're talking about the Debs at the start of the programme because later on today we're going to be offering advice to those same students who will be planning their Debs in the coming months the class of 2020 who will be doing their leaving search this year and then please God those that want to heading off to college in September they need to bring the, really bring their A game this week because we're getting very close to the deadline for the CAO offer so we will have career guidance advice and it is Monday so that means Annalise Dressel our nutritional therapist will join us answering all of your nutritional uh, queries get them into us We were talking about the icy conditions out there this morning and, and please be careful some of the secondary roads the main roads have been salted and gritted, but some of the secondary roads, particularly if there's if they're in a very sheltered area, uh, they can be quite uh, tricky and quite uh, black ice as well on some of the roads. So just drive with care is the message that we're trying to get out to people this morning. Eddie in Mahan was listening to me saying that earlier to people to drive with care. He was travelling uh, to Rathcormac on the M8 motorway just a little while ago. He said there was a female driver next to him applying her lipstick while driving. Eddie said he was travelling at 100 kilometres and she passed Eddie out. He said it was crazy. He said there was also a heavy fog that you couldn't see in front of yourself. He said it, he said it really is dangerous to the ladies who need to apply their lippy 
Can you wait until you've stopped the car? Please don't be doing it while you're driving. And Margaret in Mitchellstown regarding, hardly speak about ice on footpaths. Margaret wants to highlight Mitchellstown Presentation Convent. She says the council will not grist the access until after 9am. That doesn't make much sense. It doesn't make much sense to Margaret either because she said at that time the students have already gone in. The school serves both secondary and primary schools and they need to be out gritting that road earlier than 9am. Well, I know the gritters we were that the council we were talking about earlier they're out doing the roads they're private contractors John Paul said and they're out much earlier so I'm assuming this is the council staff themselves I mean, we'll get on to Mitchellstown Council. Is is this, it? Couldn't be that it's just that the staff don't get in until that time. But maybe it is. But uh, Margaret reckons that it is quite dangerous not to be gritting until nine o'clock. And John Paul has a water outage, but doesn't say where it is on a burst water main um, until the staff until four o'clock uh, today. Does that in Broadway? Okay, so that's due to a burst water main. No water until four o'clock today in Broadway. Eighteen fifty. 333103. We're going to take a break and we are back talking about this cocaine scourge, particularly getting young people sucked in and unfortunately addicted to cocaine. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas, and kiln dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie. Eggfile mock quid then anyhe is farlin. Shot eight thrower C103 air Kirkig. Is there in devil yastun gahiraho Elizabeth Fort? Agasterter gwicha er chandus na sampli is far the rune rail to hrahoch on shachtu hishdiak. Kegger atogoche harnablianta. Hogalord on dun on giatlaw real force lefeshkint. Atogoch a du sporter. Sivlian shadiak sahayan. When saltas rire kana untacha er chahar kurpi o ali na nunta. Agastog truss kun faulum fest baron duin. Agas na kaharach. C103 brings you Farm Talk with John O'Connor. Saturdays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 10 p.m. Why is it so important for farmers to have their silage tested if they want to ensure adequate feeding for their animals during the winter period? If we don't know exactly how good the quality of silage is without testing, it's like trying to score with no goalposts. Turn on Farm Talk with Dairy Gold Agribusiness for quality feed, expert service and support you can trust only on C103. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Teenagers are budgeting for cocaine to bring to their debs. This is according to a leading addiction specialist, Michael Gearin of Kunvira, says they're adding the cost of cocaine to their suit, our dress. And Michael Gearin joins me. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Patricia. Michael, so you're saying cocaine is now as much a part of the debs night out as the corsage that the guy gives to the girl or the box of chocolates that the mammy might get? Yes. Um, well, not not quite as common as all that, but uh, but at the same time, we received um, over the course of the past year a number of phone calls from concerned parents and concerned relatives who were aware that their, either their family member who was attending the Debs or peers of the family member who was going to be attending the Debs were actively including cocaine as part of the the entourage, for want of a better word. Um, 
so it wasn't one isolated incident. We received a number of phone calls of this nature. Um, because these, people were concerned. Are, okay, these are young students who are still in school. They're, they're leaving. They're, they're leaving their class. I mean, if you look at this year's, it's the leaving yeah. their class of, of twenty twenty. Now, some of them might have a little part time job. Most won't because they're studying for the leaving cert, and that's a stressful enough exam. So the cost of the debs is paid for in the main by mammy and daddy. I mean, do parents need to start questioning? where the money is coming from and how children are spending their money. Well, I suppose if I were a parent of a child, of a, a teenager of that age, and I'm not, but if I were, um, knowing what we know here, I would be very um, careful and I would be questioning money over and above because codes, cocaine consumption, and in particular recreational cocaine consumption, is so widespread in this country at the moment, it doesn't surprise me in the slightest that something like cocaine taking might go on at a Debs do. And I'm not saying that every young person is doing it. But I'm saying that there is so... The, the, the network of cocaine distribution in Ireland at this point is so widespread. And it is reaching into every single parish, town, village and community in, in, in every county in the country. That it wouldn't surprise me in the least. And availability is just not an issue. Not an issue at all. And I suppose this is the difference between the cocaine problem that we had during the Celtic Tiger era when cocaine consumption took off in Ireland because cocaine more or less, its its consumption tracks um, economic activity. So back in the Celtic Tiger era, we had a lot of cocaine being taken in Ireland and a lot of problematic cocaine use cases arising from that. But they were generally confined to cities and within cities, they were generally confined to more affluent areas of cities. And it was seen as the drug that was taken by the well-off professional person as a recreational substance. Any such socio-economic barriers that existed back in that time are now gone. And in actual fact, we had a young gentleman here recently who was in treatment for a cocaine dependence. And he said to us, he was living in a rural part of Munster, let's put it that way. And he told us that he could get cocaine within a kilometre of his home. So that will give you an indication of how widespread the availability is at this stage. My God. And what age are they starting to take cocaine at? Now, I suppose that's the most worrying factor of all, because, you know, we see trends emerging here in the in the primary treatment, in the primary treatment setting. Um, we probably get an indication of trends that are quite accurate. Um, and we are meeting a lot of young men now in their early 20s who are presenting with polysubstance misuse issues, with cocaine being at the top of the pyramid, if you understand me. And they're reporting first uses to us of like 14, 15, 16 years old. So that's very, very concerning. So heretofore, we found people in their early 20s that might have developed a drug problem or in their mid-20s. And anything that they would have taken in their early adolescence would have been confined to alcohol or cannabis. No cocaine seems to be making its way into that mix or that milieu of substances which can be a gateway for someone to active addiction. But isn't there a perception, Michael, that, you know, cocaine, as, as you say, the young professionals taking it is kind of a party drug, it's just on a social night out, and that it's relatively harmless? Yes. There is a perception that the harmlessness bit is this, 
is that there is a perception that one can recreationally use cocaine and then walk away from it in the same way that somebody can go and have a few drinks at the weekend and then on Monday morning forget about it and carry on as if nothing had ever happened. Um, But cocaine has a far higher addictive potential than alcohol. Um, It's also illegal. We haven't mentioned that at all, but it actually is against the law to do cocaine in this country. Um, But in terms of its addictive potential, it's higher. And in terms of its consequences, and in particular, the psychological devastation it can cause to a person if they become dependent on it, cocaine is far, far worse. And it's not at all this harmless recreational substance that somebody can take in a party setting and and just without any consequences. And then we also, and I saw a lot of people tweet about this over the weekend, with that awful death up in Drogheda and that young child dismembered all because of drug, drugs and drug taking and people living in their ivory towers thinking, oh sure, I would have nothing to do with scumbag like that and they're nothing to do with me. The, you know, the people that buy the bag of cocaine at the weekend to have a few lines when they're out with their friends, you're propping up that industry. Yes, absolutely. And anybody that is using any illegal substance of any kind um, is contributing to this hugely complex, hugely elaborate um economy and community of people who are engaged in drug distribution and that the hallmark of that culture um is things like violent crime and and some of the horrible cases the one of which you refer to as just one but there have been a number of those going back the past month um and then you hear comments being made and it was a very accurate comment by the superintendent who was up in that part of the country, Christy Mangan, who commented very publicly there a few months ago when he said he believed we will lose a generation of young people to cocaine. So when you have people in his job, you know, who generally are not noted for making statements that are over the top, coming out and saying something as strong as that, I mean, I think it's time that we need to to sit up and take notice. And I think with the impending general election, Patricia, um, I think that this, you know, I can understand that people's focus is on housing and health and I can understand why that would be the case. Um, But this whole issue around cocaine dependence and drug dependence in general is contributing to both those burdens hugely because we're now in a situation where... um, we have one person a week in Ireland dying of cocaine abuse and that's every one of those deaths is, is preventable, you know. And I know I I saw in the paper Dr Chris Luke who of course worked for many years in the A&E department at, at CUH and he's now going to take up a role in UCC but he talking about the extreme violence associated with cocaine which was something I hadn't realised. Yes, Chris Luke is absolutely right in what he said there and, and Chris Luke is a man who would have you know, seen plenty of it in his in his role as consultant in the accident emergency in CUH, um, is that a hallmark of cocaine abuse is violence and aggression. Um, wow. So again, and is it easy to get addicted to it? It's probably very easy to get addicted to anything if the, if, if the timing is right and yeah. if the conditions are right for an addiction to become established. Um, and generally speaking, addictions become established when people start to use substances to cope with life stresses, whatever they, they might be. So in other words, if somebody is having a hard time at work, say, and they're coming home in the evening um, and they start taking something, maybe cocaine or maybe even alcohol, 
um, and they find that that eases the psychological pressure that they are under, they are conditions where you would be very apt for an addiction to develop. But one of the big things with young people is the culture where drug taking has been normalised. Mm. That's the big. That's the worry. That's that. the big, big issue. Okay. All right. All right, uh, Michael. You paint a grim enough uh, picture, but it has to be spoken about. Uh, thank you for that, and thanks for joining us on the program. You're welcome. Thank Good you. morning to you. Bye bye. That is uh, the wonderful Michael Gearn doing just amazing work. He and the rest of the team at uh, Coon Vera. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. Court today on C one zero three with a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go, Short Castle Street. Mallow. Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kiln-dried wood and gas. Lowcostfuel.ie Join Martina O'Donoghue weekdays from four on C103. The best in music, the up-to-date traffic and all the latest entertainment news. Drive time on C103 with Kellers of McCroom. The place to order your new Ford car or commercial vehicle for 2020. See kellersofmacroom.ie Last week, many people were shocked by my interview with Anne Murphy of The Echo, who was highlighting an online ad for a flat in Cork City that had been offered rent-free in return for sex twice a week with the landlord. Now, we, we, we since are led to believe that the vacancy has been filled. Uh, and many, including myself, were asking the question, is this illegal? Joining me with her opinion, human rights lawyer Nolene Blackwell, who is, of course, also chief executive of the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre. Good morning to you, Nolene. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, and you're welcome. Is it a criminal offence to ask for sex in lieu of rent? All right. So I'm just going to take it back a step because my opinion is that in many, many cases, it will be illegal. And the reason is this. It is illegal to uh, engage in sexual activity where the other person is not consenting or where their consent is not free and voluntary. That's what the law is. So if somebody is put in a position where where their way of getting shelter is to um, pay for their accommodation with their bodies, in what way can that be seen as free and voluntary? So it's coming at it from the point of view of looking at the big picture and saying that in all circumstances where consent is not free, where consent is not voluntary, then putting somebody in a position of having sexual activity with them is illegal on the part of the person who's making that offer. The la- so, in this case, the landlord. In this case, the landlord. So in this case, if, if I understand the ad correctly, instead of paying somebody with money that they got from the rent, they're saying we'll bypass the cash aspect and you can pay for a roof over your head by giving me your body. And the person will do it. But is that free and voluntary consent? I think you have to say in most cases, that cannot be seen as free and voluntary. And if it is not, then the person making that offer is exploiting that person. And indeed, it is likely to be illegal. Do you believe it is happening more than we know? Yes. And people are not talking about it, Patricia. And the reason they're not talking about it is if they do, then they lose something that every single one of us needs 
and that is shelter. It is a basic need for everyone to have somewhere to live. If somebody is so desperate for somewhere to live that they are prepared to trade their body for it, uh, then that that is happening, we believe, but nobody is going to report it because the minute they report it, they not only uh, put themselves into um, a difficult situation where they have to talk about the compromises they're making, but they'll also lose the very thing that they were paying yeah, for. Yeah, and, and we're in the middle of a housing crisis and, and everybody everybody knows, knows we are. I wonder, has there ever been a study done asking tenants if they ever have been approached for sexual so, favours? So in fact now the Residential Tenancies Board is about to do this um, and the reason we we're sure of that is they have been in contact with us. We've been talking about them to them about how you can ask this question because you can't just ask it in the same way as you ask somebody um, how much you're paying in cash yeah. uh, because it's, it's something that people will be very reticent about talking about but it, it, we, are, we hear all the time actually maybe a little bit more now but because we run the National 24 Hour Helpline we hear of people who talk about having to put up with landlords who come into their property and making them feel uneasy um, feel that there's something creepy going on but they have to put up with it otherwise they would lose their accommodation. So so from time to time it is clearly, you know, it is a way in which um, landlords can exploit vulnerable tenants and, uh, and to their credit the Residential Tenancies Board is talking about trying to get some kind of a handle on that now. But I think often too, Patricia, the other thing that we could all do is talk about it a bit more because I am constantly surprised at the number of people who who accept that vulnerable people have to do things to survive that are wrong. Uh, and, and, and this, you know, what, what is sometimes called survival sex, where you have to trade your body, sell your body in order to have enough food, in order for your family to have enough food, in order to have shelter. These are things which are downright wrong. And I sometimes think that people who offer um, this kind of accommodation don't even realise the level of exploitation that they're engaging in, the level of... um, yeah, the, the level of harm that, that they are proposing because the truth is that somebody who has to do that, somebody who has to offer something, sexual activity, in a way that is not free and voluntary, is, not, is, is ha- having to offer something very private, very intimate, very essential to themselves, and that is not good for them. I mean, I take it you would love to see tenants report it. So we would love to see landlords reported in that case, or tenants reporting it. Yes, um, because because I think also we need to know the extent of the problem, and we need to know that it's not um, a harmless activity. It is not something that is just a piece of fun. That it is something that is potentially very damaging to somebody, and that it is something that is simply not permitted in our country or in our society. 
And I know when I interviewed and, and I was actually um, at an event where I was speaking with Anne Murphy at the weekend, the journalist from The Echo who went undercover and she yeah. got into communication with this guy and she said she just felt so creepy. It was also creepy. It was making her skin crawl and she was only doing it, you know, over the internet trying to get yeah. as much information as possible out from this guy. Yeah. And down to his wife was involved because his wife was going to vet the calls. So it's just... Yes. It's like so, it's it's a it's a dirty world that's out there that we just are you right we're not talking about it. We're we're not and and people have not got that clear sense that it is wrong to exploit somebody else in a position like that to abuse your power. We really need to get a grip uh when uh, th- those who might do that, who might engage in that kind of advertisement, need to get a better understanding. What they are doing is they are pimping, um, and they are, and, and they, it is a nasty word, uh, and it is uh, quite rightly a nasty word. To exploit another human being to that extent is something that everyone should be extremely ashamed of. Okay, we'll leave it there, Noreen. We'll we'll talk again in the meantime. Thank you for that. Thank you, And uh, thanks uh, for joining us on the programme. That is uh, Nolene Blackwell. And Nolene's a human rights lawyer, but she is also chief executive of the Dublin Rape Crisis uh, Centre. And uh, you can get help from the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre at 1-800-778-888. And of course, they operate 24-7, 1-800-778-888. Double seven double eight double eight. Now, John Paul continues to take your calls at 1850-333-103. You can text us again. Don't WhatsApp us, please. Just contact us by text to 0862-103-103. A lot of texts and calls coming in and we'll deal with them after news at 11 o'clock today. And in the next hour, we are going to be looking at banks and the fact that banks are looking for new laws and new legislation because they want to be able to help people who are separated, who are in arrears in their mortgage and trying to come up with some kind of a solution for them and it can be difficult if you've got a warring party. So we'll talk about what the banks are hoping to do. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. We were talking about scams earlier. Stephanie on Sheep's Head has been on to us to say she got a text message claiming from to be from Banking365 to say her account is locked. Now, Banking365, that's the online service for the Bank of Ireland. And coincidentally, Stephanie is actually a customer of Bank of Ireland. I don't know if she does her banking online or not, but she realised fairly quickly that it was a scam, so she completely ignored it. But obviously, a lot of other people are getting similar texts and Bank of Ireland have come out and warning people of the scam. Do not click on on the link. And the Bank of Ireland, particularly the Banking365, would never say send out a text message like that so please be aware of that because often what happens is somebody will get that message for example I'm not a Bank of Ireland customer so if I get a message like that I know instantly it's a scam and I just ignore it but if you've been doing something with the bank or you've been waiting to hear from the bank it can just you know it can just all be a coincidence that all falls into place and you might end up thinking that it is genuinely from the bank and click on it so please be very very careful now a breaking news story that we had with Mirage there at 11 is the fact that Gardaí are investigating an incident that happened in the Mayfield area overnight in which a man was attacked but he was doused in petrol before being set alight. Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter, has more on this story. Uh, Good morning to you, Fiona. Good morning, Patricia. This is quite a shocking story uh, indeed. What what do we know at this stage happened? Yeah, um, obviously 
obviously it's still very early days in this investigation, but what we understand happened is that just before four o'clock this morning, three men armed with uh, what we understand were machetes and iron bars burst into a house here at Dunard Estate in Lotusbeg in um, in Mayfield. And they, while they were there, the occupant of the house, a father of three, they, they doused him in petrol and set him alight. Now, he was rushed to Cork University Hospital where he's currently undergoing treatment for those injuries sustained in that attack. Um, and Gardaí are investigating. Now, they have been at the scene all morning. Forensics were here, but they've left in the last few minutes. But there is a guard person here at the house. And... Um, like just looking at the house now at the minute, you can see that there is some fire damage caused to be inside the house. Just sorry, just sorry, slightly move with your phone. Um, you're getting a bit muffled. Um, can Fiona. You hear me there? Yeah, I can hear you now. You were you were saying you can see evidence that there has been fire damage. Yeah, to the house, and so the car passed in the driveway, and the windows of that car have been smashed in on one side as well. Um, so we are <clears throat> investigating all of that. Um. Now, um, we understand as well that the people... Uh, You're going to have to move again for me, Fiona. I'm sorry. You're going to have you to... Yeah. Okay, now. that's better, uh, yeah. Yeah, that, um, that the, the gang made off in, in two vehicles. And we understand that Gardaí have recovered two of those vehicles and are currently forensically examining those as well. Uh, now, the incident has shocked neighbours here. I've just been speaking to some of the neighbours and they've said that they can't believe that this happened. Um, and it's, it's a horrible scene that they have woken up to here this morning. And, um, you know, be- between this now and a few incidents of criminal damage and a really violent assault that we had in Blackpool over the weekend, people are very much afraid at the minute. And they say they can't believe that all of this kind of thing is happening in their own city. Um, you know, there on Friday night, um, two men were attacked in Blackpool just beside the community centre with a baseball and a hammer and one of those men is still in hospital with a very serious head injury and Gardaí are hoping that they'll be in a position to talk to him over the coming days and two men were arrested on Friday night in connection with that incident but they've since been released without charge and last night there was an incident outside the cinema uh, in Blackpool where a man was understood to have been hit over the head with a hurley by a group of men and he's also he was also taken to Cork University Hospital with a head injury. Now, Gardaí did confirm this morning that when they arrived at the scene, there was no evidence of an assault. Um, but, you know, obviously, if anybody has information with regards to that incident, to contact them. And indeed, just up the road then, um, Senator Cullen Burke's office yesterday evening, there was a brick thrown through the window of his office, and I was over there early this morning, and, um, you know, there's uh, the two panes of glass in the window were smashed in. There was broken glass all over the floor. There was a brick um, on the floor as well still. And um, it had been thrown with such force that the brick had actually hit the back wall and had um, left a dent in the wall. And um, also, Patricia, there was a car set on fire on Blarney Street um, in the early hours of Sunday morning. And Scardy are understood to be investigating that um, incident. There was no injuries, but there was damage caused to two cars and to a neighbouring business as well. But, you know, there's been a lot of crime in Cork City over the last uh, four days. And this is um, while people are still trying to come to terms with the dreadful murder of young Cameron Blair. That's right, yeah. Um, and obviously that, still, that investigation is still ongoing. Now, Gardy have spoken to 
uh, quite a few teenagers, there would have been quite a lot of teenagers at the house party on Thursday night where this stabbing took place. Um, and there was a lot of talk on social media of um, three young men, teenagers as well, who uh, may have carried out this stabbing. And I understand that Gardaí have spoken to those teenagers, but... Um, you know, it, um, Daddy said they are happy with the way the investigation is progressing at the minute. Um, but, you know, they are still looking for information. They are viewing CCTV footage. They haven't made any arrests yet, but um, we'll, we will expect arrests to be made. Okay. In the coming, in the coming okay. And, and back to this man who uh, is oh. now in, in CUH. I mean, very badly burnt, was he? Did you get any indication as to he what's the level of... Been given any information from that, yes, um, but uh, I believe that his injuries are, are quite serious. I suppose if somebody is out of petrol and set a light, ah, doesn't um, even bear thinking about that the injuries are going to be quite significant. You say the father of three, was, th- was there children in the house? No, um, now I was talking to a neighbour here and he thought that the children were in the house, but I was talking to another neighbour who said she doesn't believe there were children were in the house last night that he was here on his own. Um, but I haven't had any confirmation from Gardaí yet about other people who were in the house at the time. Um, that's just I've been just talking to some neighbours here, but I was talking to one woman and she believed that he was in the house on his own last night when this happened. Um, so, yeah, it's, um, it's a frightening incident. You know, you can see here, it's still very icy up here and, you know, a lot of people are standing outside here this morning in the freezing cold looking at this and... One man said to me that, you know, you, you hear of these kind of incidents on the TV or you read about them in the newspaper, but you never expect them to happen on your Near own doorstep. Door Absolutely. And when you see it, it's just... Yeah, and that's and it. It's, it's, a, it's a very residential area of Mayfield. Yeah, and yeah. I think it's the level of violence used in this attack where men, you know, burst into the home of another man armed with weapons um, and then to douse somebody in petrol and set them on fire. As you said, it just doesn't bear thinking about what... No the outcome of that would be. It's like a know? scene from a movie, isn't it? Like a, like a horror movie, you know. It is, it is. Um, Godfather, crime lords. Kind of, yeah, I think that's what's shocking people. Um, you know, obviously there's always been antisocial behaviour and assaults, but I think it's the level of violence seems to have escalated in the last while. And, you know, I mean, people being hit over the head with hammers and people being set on fire and Poor Cameron Blair then being stabbed with an But you wonder, um, I was just in the last hours, I spoke with Michael Gearan from Coonvera, the addiction counsellor, mm. and we were talking about cocaine and the scourge of cocaine. And I mentioned Dr. Chris Luke, who's mentioned in the paper today, talking about the extreme violence that's associated with cocaine. You'd wonder they all linked to these people doing these dreadful, dreadful crimes. And, you know, that, mm. that you could do that to another human being. You know, are they off their heads on something? That's it. And then, um, you know, I think, you know, after the incident up in Drogheda as well of Ian Mulready Woods, and I was watching the Garda press conference, and the Garda made a very stark warning to people saying that, you know, by using cocaine, you're contributing to all of these kind of crimes, because a lot of the time these incidents are linked to, to drug feuds or to drug deaths and drug dealers. And um, as you say then, like, you know, are they off their heads then when they're carrying out these acts? Are they even aware of what they're doing? It's, um, it's I don't know, it's just the, and the fact that we have a general election coming up now and it's an issue, particularly crime here in the city, is very much going to be an election issue for people. But you'd wonder, you know, how 
this is going to all be brought under control. You know, you don't want a situation like what they have up in Drogheda and in Dublin with feuding drug gangs and, you know, you know, you don't want this to happen here in Cork. But over the last couple of weeks, we have had some very, very serious incidents and, um, you know, people are rightly afraid and, and they want to know what's going to be done and what's going to be done to prevent this from escalating any further. That's terrifying for parents raising children mm-hmm. today. In, you know. That's it, yeah. I was talking to a neighbour here who said he has children of his own up here in uh, Mayfield area and he said, like, you just be terrified of, you know, like... You're even nearly terrified in your own house now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just Shocking. Shocking. All right, listen, thank you for that update, uh, Fiona, and we'll keep listening out on the news buttons throughout the day. Thanks for that. Uh, bye-bye. That is uh, Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter, and uh, we hope that that poor man, father of three, makes a full recovery, even though, as Fiona said, it is life-changing injuries to be doused with petrol. And then to be set alight, oh, it just doesn't bear thinking of. Okay, some of your thoughts coming into us. Hi, Patricia, this is on scams. I got a missed call from the Congo. I didn't ring her back because you don't know anyone in the Congo. You've no one over there on holidays at the moment. Uh, you're dead right, Jen. Just if you can block the number, please do. It does kind of help with the, uh, because if you don't block it, they have a tendency they'll keep calling you back in the hope that one day you will ring them back. On drugs and the scourge of cocaine, which we spoke with, Michael Geeran in the last hour and now we can almost tie it in with what we've just spoken to with Fiona and wondering is you know, this level of violence and you know some would say we've, there's always some kind of antisocial behaviour but it's the, the level of violence that's going with it I think that's shocking I think we've never seen anything on the level of violence that we've seen and the amount of it that is happening and does it all can you link it all in some way back to drug and drug use uh, Michael in Castletown Bear says Patricia High every corner of this country is scourged with drugs it is an epidemic but let's remember we are an island nation there are only two ways for drugs to get in by air which is pretty well police and by sea, which Michael feels is wide open. We have more fisheries offers than fisheries officers than fishermen. Why not extend their brief to drugs as well? We might save some of our children's lives if we can stop the supply coming into the country. Thank you, Michael. Heidi says, Patricia, we need to educate our young ones. We need to tell them first and foremost where these drugs come from. They come from poorer countries and the people in those poorer countries do it as a way of making money. They they never Young people never think that these drugs can and do destroy lives and can and do destroy their futures. We must not let the drug dealers make a living off our young ones. We need to step in fast and we need to stop it, society. And also when the drugs come into the country from those poorer countries, they usually come in as pure cocaine, but it's when it gets to this country then, that's when the drug baron's greed really kicks in and they start to mix it. They start to cut it down and mix it so they can make their supply go even further. And remember that mother we had on last week who went public to talk about her son who thankfully has survived even though he'll, he's got a long road to full recovery. But she spoke about when they analysed what was in his system from the drug he took. It had been seven, it was 75% rat poison mixed with the drug and that nearly killed him. He was very, he's a young lad, very, very lucky to be alive uh, today. Uh, Hi Patricia, it is the drugs barons that need to be targeted. The special response unit should have permission to search their homes and if they're guilty, introduce internment 
Remember we had internment in this country before where we locked up well Northern Ireland we had it to this texture where we locked up members of the provisional IRA that wasn't so long ago bringing internment for the drugs barons if we suspect it and yeah because they'll never be caught though with the drugs on them but a little bit like with Al Capone remember how Al Capone came down it was because they went after him from the tax point of view and money laundering and and I'm sure Cab are doing that are they doing it enough but then you 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 might get one drugs baron, but he'll be replaced by somebody else. We need to get through to people. We need to try and educate everyone to stop taking it. It goes back to that what we've we've been mentioning today, the professional Ireland who take their recreational drugs on the weekend, and it's of no harm to them because they don't take that much of it, and they don't see you know they never see their lives changing. They're never going to get addicted to it, but they are keeping the supply going by buying the drugs every weekend and if we can get that stopped if we can stop people wanting it then maybe eventually we will get rid of it completely 1850-333-103 and can we get a word out please to some of our general election candidates naming naming well it says Moynihan and Queen's I don't know if it's Michael Moynihan or Andreas Moynihan? We know the creed is Michael Creed. Somebody sent in a text saying, Patricia, election posters are inside the 50 kilometre zone in Crossbarry. Moynihan and Creed, please remove. So can anybody listening from the campaign teams, of, as I say, I don't know which one of the Moynihans because there's two Moynihans running in that area. Uh, and for Michael Creed, can you go out please and just shift the election posters? And please be careful and check. There are a lot of towns and villages like Crossbarry that have introduced that. It's usually the local tidy towns uh, do it. And candidates in the main are really, really good about it. And if it's pointed out that somebody in error put a poster up on the wrong side of the 50 kilometre zone, they're usually very quick about taking them uh, down. So I'm glad to give that a mention. So if anybody involved with Moynihan and Creed putting up the posters, can you get to Crossbarry, please, and take down the poster? Can somebody offer help here and advice to this council tenant? Hi, Patricia. I live in a council estate in the North Cork area. I'm wondering, is there anything I can do to stop somebody's dog from excessive barking. The barking can go on day and night. Very, very upsetting as I have a young child in my house. By the way, I don't want to be filling in forms. I want this matter dealt with and I want it dealt with quickly. If I contact the council, that's what they're going to say to me. You have to fill in a form and that simply takes too long. And by the way, the guards will do nothing. Signed a council tenant. So I assume from that you've rang the guards at some stage. Yeah, you'll have to go through the council route. I know you might get frustrated saying you don't want to fill in forms, but I suppose the council can't take every phone call at face value that it isn't just somebody making it up. They need to have it in writing so that they can progress it to the next level. But in the meantime, if you don't want to go down that route, let's see. I'm assuming others have come up against this before. If you have a dog barking excessively. Now, can I say dogs normally... A happy dog shouldn't be barking excessively, not day and night. Do I take it that this dog is on its own during the day and that's why it's barking? Why it would continue to bark at night? I don't know. Maybe it's a nervous dog. You know, sometimes you get very nervous dogs and, and of course their hearing is so good they can pick up sounds that might be you know a a mile away and they're picking up on something that's frightening them and that's causing them to bark. I'm assuming that's the reason for it. To me it sounds like a very unhappy dog 
if it is barking excessively, particularly if it's doing it day and night. If it's just doing it during the day, I'm assuming it's doing it because the owners have gone away. And of course, the owners have gone away and don't even realise how upset the dog is that they're gone away and is barking all the time. Now, the in my initial reaction, and I don't know if you've gone down this route, have you approached the owner of the dog? and sort of pointed out that the dog is barking excessively, make them aware of it. Because I take it, they can't be in the house listening to the dog. No one could put up with a dog barking excessively, you know, even if it is your own much-loved pooch. So that would be my, my first port of call would be try and have a nice conversation with the owner of the dog to say, are you aware of how much the dog is barking? And I have a child and it's very upsetting on a young child. That would be my own piece of advice. I don't know if you can go down that route or not. But in the meantime we've put it out over the airwaves. Let's see if anybody else has been in a similar situation and if so how do you stop it? It is a council estate. The council surely yes would have a role. Does this listener need to fill in the forms that's been suggested by the council? Is there any other way around it? Your advice please 1850 or you can text as our listener did to 0862 103 103 text only no whatsapps please we're still having a technical difficulty with our whatsapps so by text uh, only and thank you to Dennis when I mentioned the rubbish remember somebody was on to us earlier saying it's a right eyesore it's rubbish dumped in the forest view estate area of Mallow and there's domestic rubbish there's furniture but this listener also said there is human and dog faeces and I was wondering how could you tell how would you know what was human faeces versus dog faeces. Dennis says, Patricia very easy to tell the difference between dog poo and human poo. Dogs don't use toilet paper. It's quite common in my area too, says Dennis. Now Dennis doesn't say where he's living. So so somebody decides to go to the... Now unless it's somebody with a medical complaint is, is that the reason? Then when they're out they have no other choice but have to go somewhere Oh, I just even want to think about it. But they leave the toilet paper behind. Goodness me. OK, that's very easy to decide if it's human human poo or dog poo by the toilet paper or tissues. 1850 333 103. C103 Jobs. With Hewitt College, now enrolling for full time fifth and sixth year and repeat leaving cert programs. Your success is built on their experience. See hewittcollege.ie. You need to be over 25. Childcare assistant wanted with FeedTech Level 5. That's required for work in the Carrick Navarre area. And a part-time chef is required for Padre Pio House in Churchtown, two to three days per week. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas and kiln dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie. Court today on C103. Call Patricia. 
Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. Now the Banking and Payments Federation Ireland has called for new laws to allow banks to better deal with mortgage holders who are separated. I'm joined from the Banking and Payments Federation by Brian Hayes, their chief executive. Good morning to you, Brian. Good morning, Mr. Shelley. I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. Are there many separated couples, Brian, in arrears of their home loan repayments at the moment? Well, we've discovered because we were asked to do a piece of research uh, on behalf of Deputy Michael McGrath, the Finnefall Finance Spokesperson, who first raised this issue. Um, We found out from our members that at least 10% of all of those people, all those mortgages, in what's called mortgage arrears or late-stage mortgage repayment difficulties are are borrowers who are coming from a separated position. It's not necessarily all of them coming from the position of being a married couple. Uh, Frequently, in the last number of years, of course, people bought a house together as two individuals. So it's not exclusively people who are are married per se, but obviously a a large percentage of them are. So if you take 10% of all of the people in mortgage areas difficulties come from this cohort, you're you're dealing with at least um, 5,000 mortgages in this, yeah. which is a lot. And at one level, you can understand it. In a yeah. circumstance, there's financial difficulty. The marriage breaks up. The partnership breaks up. Uh, one person walks away. One person remains. One person's in the house. You can't live with the other person. It's understandable. And sometimes the, the financial difficulty can be the cause of the breakup of that marriage. Of course, yeah. of course. And from and a bank's point of view, are they the most difficult cases to resolve? They're hugely problematic for a number of reasons. When you take on a mortgage with your bank, you are what they call jointly and severely liable. In other words, it's a contract between your bank, the lender, which effectively gives you the money to buy the house, and the two people involved. So in a scenario where there's a marriage breakdown or a separation or one person can't live with the other. You could well have a situation, you have two borrowers effectively, one who's cooperating, one who's engaging, one who's paying their fair share, and the other who's not. And what does a bank do in that scenario? If someone, for instance, decides to head off to Australia because they can't live with someone, and they come back three years later and they say, hang on for a moment, I still own this house, even though they haven't been making the contribution, it can be very tricky when it goes to the courts. So what, what we have said in, in, in highlighting this um, as an issue that uh, Deputy McGrath asked us to, to look at is what kind of protection is given to those cooperating borrowers? So in a scenario where the banks are trying to come to an agreement uh, with someone in mortgage arrears, what kind of agreement can we put in place? Fra- banks frequently work through agreements. Over 110,000 different uh, agreements are put in place for people who have who have mortgage arrears difficulties, 87% of those are working their way and are actually fine in terms of what the Central Bank of Ireland believe. And I suppose the question for for us is, what kind of legal protection is given to that cooperating borrower where a bank is trying to work out a solution for that person? Because because as it stands, can a court impose a debt resolution on a non-cooperating partner? That's not possible, is it? It's it's not possible. Uh, Well, there is case law at the moment where some of the court decisions are quite good in that it's it's coming down in favour of the cooperating borrower. But that's more to do with insolvency. And actually, even in this insolvency legislation, there's no specific mention given to this cooperating as against an uncooperating borrower. Um, But the ultimate contract means that the two people still own the house, even though one of them has walked away from their responsibilities. And that is a severe difficulty for the bank, but it's a severe problem, especially for the cooperating entity. 
if I'm paying a fair share or I'm trying to come to an agreement, I'm trying to work out my difficulty with the bank and the other person who owns half the house isn't, is, is nowhere on the scene, is that fair? And that's a real conundrum. So we're, we're looking at a number of different responses to this. There's some suggestion that some tweaking of the solvency legislation would help in terms of giving greater legal clarity to the cases that are currently before the courts. There's a suggestion that we could alter slightly the mediation legislation to make sure that where solicitors are drawing up agreements like this, that there's greater emphasis given to, to cooperating as against uncooperating parties. Because and when when, w- couples, sorry, when couples go into, in fact, you mentioned mediation, when publics go into mediation, is the issue of the mortgage dealt with? Yes, it is. Oh. Um, and frequently an agreement can be there and then. What happens, though, when someone walks away from that agreement? Yeah, yeah. And I think that it, it's, it's, the, it's the impact one year later or two years later when someone isn't talking to the other person or there's no money to be found for the mortgage. That's where the problem is. The other areas, I suppose, we already have a very um, good code between borrowers uh, and, and lenders, what we call the CCMA, where someone who's in mortgage arrears difficulty, there's a code that the banks have to follow uh, that's being negotiated and put in place by the Central Bank of Ireland. Are there additional protections that could be given within that code which could help people in this cohort? So it's not simple. It's very tricky. There are legal uncertainties around all of these issues, but this is a problem that is growing, and it's something that I think we have to be needs really to be aware dealt of. with. Yeah. And if there's one thing I will say, you know, if there's people, listeners listening in uh, who are in this position, there is really excellent advice given by the MAB service across the country, the Money Advice Budgeting Service. They're 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 run by the state, totally independent. They're not attached to banks or lenders or anyone like that. But we have, uh, as a lending business and as the Irish banks. What we have is a framework agreement with them in terms of late-term mortgages and people in mortgage arrears. So in other words, if they negotiate an issue with you, if you come to see them at any of their offices all over the country, and they, you, they, they work through an agreement, that third party can negotiate on your behalf when it comes to the lender, Bank of Ireland, AIB, KBC, whoever it is. And we have a framework agreement in with them. So there's a lot of very good advice there from the MABS service uh, which, you know, the state pays for and it's a really good independent service. Yeah, I know last year we did uh, a bi-monthly feature with Awalia and, and MABS and that was the one thing that we kept coming out was there's a solution there for everyone but you need to go look for the solution. Listen, the, 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 if, if you don't engage with your bank, yeah. things can get really difficult. Why? Because the house is still owned by the bank. It's security is there. The reason why people can get mortgages um at different rates is because that mortgage is predicated on a security. Um, If you don't engage with your bank, you don't respond to calls, you don't try to work up a solution. And in most cases, there is a solution. In some cases, there isn't, and repossession has to occur, but that's less than 1% of the total market. But the reality is this engagement is absolutely crucial. Without Mm -hmm. engagement, we're going nowhere. I think that's the one bit of advice, the message I'd give to people engage with your bank even if you're in a difficult position there's a solution there Okay Alright and uh, while we have you on uh, Brian of course you stepped out of uh, political life uh, last year as an MEP but you'd have been a TD before that any feelings of regret now that you see everybody out on the campaign train? Um, no <laughs> <laughs> if I can be very frank um, <laughs> listen I, do, I did this job for 25 years it was, it's an amazing privilege um, the one thing I'll say is you know to all um the candidates, no matter what party they come from or whether they're independent, I hope people give them respect because without candidates, we don't have elections. 
without elections, we've no democracy. And it's predicated our democracy in having people who put their name on a ballot paper. Yeah, so, it's a, it's a, and uh, it's a tough job. It's a very tough job. Um, you know, no one puts a gun to your hand that says you have to be a candidate. But at the same time, without them... Um, we wouldn't we, have democracy. We, and, we, and we really do... We should treat all of the candidates and the parties with respect over the next few weeks. It's a difficult time for them, their families, their loved ones, um, because they're up for their job. And it's um, it's a very... Politics is a very, very volatile business. So I hope that message of respect is uh, understood by everyone. Well said, well said. Okay, Brian, listen, thank you for that. We'll chat again. But in the meantime, thanks for joining us. Uh, Good morning. Bye-bye. That is Brian Hayes, Chief Executive of the Banking and Payments Federation. 1850-333-103. John Paul, taking your calls. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel & Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kiln-dried wood and gas. Lowcostfuel.ie. Simon's Celebrity Sees Guess the celebs to grab the cash On C103 Monica, just give me the full three names there Deirdre O'Kane Jonathan Rees-Mars and Larry Mullen Monica, you won 3,000 euros! You're crazy! The day we had a jackpot worth 3,000 euro and Monica, you absolutely nailed it Oh oh my God, thank you ever so much Simon I can't believe it. I'm shaking. Sign on Celebrity Seas. Play weekday mornings on Cork's More Music Breakfast. On C103. C103 and the Marketing Institute present their January event on Tuesday the 21st. Niall Tracy, Director of Marketing, Folger Ireland, hosts the event entitled My Brand is a Liar. Register now at mii.ie to find out about which brands don't live up to their promise. Don't miss the January marketing event, Tuesday the 21st at 6 p.m. in the Cork International Hotel with the Marketing Institute of Ireland, Cork, The Echo and C103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. Now the closing date for this year's CAO applications fast approaching and as always with words of advice our career guidance expert uh, Roisin Kelleher. Good morning to you Roisin. Good morning Patricia. And you are welcome and we start as we do I think every year reminding students and their parents research the course, know what the course is about. Yes, yes, I know we've said it, but of course there's always a new uh, numbers of students every year and it's new to them. So it is so important to research the courses and they have time. That's the very, very important thing. They have up to the 1st of July um, to make their final choice on the CAO. So to use that time in a very meaningful way, they can do it online by getting on uh, to see the prospectus and all the details. And the modular information is so very important because that breaks down the exact detail of the course programs. They can attend open days and the, contacting the colleges, contacting, and of course, using their guidance counsellors, all there to help them. Because it is dreadful to hear, and we hear about it every year, students who drop out halfway through the first year because yes. the course wasn't what they... Expected we, yeah. it to be, yes, unfortunately. Yeah, that is, uh, that really is disappointing. That is the case, and it can be a very costly situation, not, not to mention, of course, that it affects their confidence and their self-esteem, and if it can be avoided. Now, sometimes these things will happen, but it shouldn't be in the numbers that do happen, and there are so many choices, and I know today is probably such an important day uh, to avail of the discounted rate for the CAO, but there are so many other options other than the CAO. 
But these are also stepping stones that if a person wishes to go into third level, then they can use it by that means. Okay, so today, uh, the reason that we have you on today, 20th of January, if the students apply by today, they get 30 euro. 30 euro is a lot of money to a student. It's a discounted rate. Okay. And it's to try and encourage the students to make the application as early as possible. It did open in November and very many students have availed of that. Now, of course, to avail of the discounted rate, all they actually have to do today, Patricia, is to register just to get onto all the w's.cao.ie and put in their details and pay the 30 euro. They actually don't have to make choices on the level eight, the honours degree programmes, the level seven, which are the ordinary degrees of the six, the certificates. They don't actually have to put anything down there if they don't wish today. However, it would be wise to put down something if if they have something in mind because they can return to it and insert, delete, move around. Now, the only thing, of course, to be mindful of is by the 1st of February, where there are restricted courses, then they must be inserted or should be inserted by that date. And what are the, is that like medicine? Are they the restricted courses? Yes, of course it is. And it happens also to be the date that is advised to apply for the HBAT. But I would suggest and, and, and possibly know that the students who are interested in medicine have, have, are very well aware yeah, of that. Yeah, absolutely, they absolutely. Have, they have to make now, you, when you're filling in the application, um, the DARE and HERE. Yes, very important as well. The DARE, of course, is the scheme to promote equity of access for students that might have a disability or have experienced additional educational challenges in second level. And the HERE then, of course, would be for anybody... Uh, where there would be situations from socioeconomic disadvantaged backgrounds. Now, again, on the form itself, Patricia, there's a little box, and it's important that the students would tick that. They can tick that today, or certainly, again, it is advised that they would tick that by the 1st of February. Now, of course, they have to submit more information then about the DARE and the HERE application, if that's what they are uh, doing. And that information has to be submitted uh, this year by the 15th of March. Right, that's, the supporting do- that, that's the supporting documentation, but yes. you have fine, but the, you have time on, uh, on that they one. Have, and they won't know the outcome from that until possibly, as in other years, the last week of June. Okay. But they must start the process. Okay. And in order to give the people that have to go through that process time to go through it. So again, in its own way, it is urgent. Okay, and then, so that brings us up, that's March for the DARE and, and the HERE. And, and then it's important to say that some students could be eligible for both. Oh, okay. It could be DARE and HERE. Okay, and then into May, yes. there's, a, there's a closing date, but that's for late applications. That, yes, that's right. And uh, they will open again on the 1st of May for the late applications. Uh, now they have to pay extra for that, 60 euro or 90 for a paper application. But uh, from that on, the 5th of May on then, they can change their minds and do anything they like with the applications except for the restricted courses. Okay. And one can understand that because with the restricted courses, they're, like with the age pass, there's a test that has to be done sometime now in the spring in February. There will be the portfolios associated with the art 
or the audition with the music. Yeah. So naturally they can't be introduced at a later stage. Yeah, you can't just be offered no. that on the day the day no. that the offers uh, come out. Okay, and then I'm assuming because most young people are very tech savvy, most people will be doing their application online, uh, but you can do it by post as well, can't you? You can, you yeah. can, and unfortunately we haven't got internet services throughout the country. That's that true, <laughs> that's true. So, so some they people, have to leave that yeah. option open for people. And would you need to get a receipt if you're Absolutely. posting? Absolutely. If you're going for a paper, it's important to have a receipt. And, of course, to also downline, uh, online to make sure that they also print off the application. Always just be sure, small little points, but they save an awful lot of bother and upset that might occur, unlikely to occur, but in case it did, just to have proof that the application was made and what date. Okay, mature students, or do they need to yes, look out for? And many people do consider mature applications. Again, slightly different. Uh, they generally, of course, are over 23 years of age to be considered mature. I think people under 23 aren't mature. But however, that's the technical age that they use uh, with the applications. And uh, so they make application also by the 1st of February. Now, mature people are different in the sense that different colleges have different applications. So I would always advise that the students who are interested in making that application would contact directly the college just to double check on the procedures associated with the mature application because there can be various tests and closing dates with regard to them as well. But the 1st of February, again, is the date to be aware of. Okay, and of course third level as in the ULs or the ITs are not for for everyone but there's no. lots of other courses out there the yeah. fee tech so many courses the fee tech are sometimes referred to as the post leaving cert courses these are marvellous uh, courses that are available here in Cork we have Mallow we have yourselves here in Mallow uh, and then in the city the big providers like the College of Commerce then John's College and so on and right through West Cork and throughout the country there are these programmes so the students can make direct application for those as well there there isn't a CAO form for these so they get onto the colleges and there will be an online facility where they make that course uh, choice and that generally that can be done at this time as well so but generally very many of them wait until the CAO deadline is over but they are also extremely popular. So like any of the colleges, they want to get in their uh, possible applicants as early as possible so they can start the process of going through those applications. And but you can work your way right up to... You can indeed. And they will, they will interview. They generally have an interview. Yeah, yeah. And very many of those courses start with a pass leaving certificate. And very important also, the students who are uh, sitting the LCA the Leaving Cert Apply programme, they're absolutely eligible under those programmes and they can get on the ladder, if you like, of progression that they would do a one or a two-year programme. But these courses are very good in their own sense that there could be employability at the end of those programmes. So they're standalone programmes in their own right. They also have a progression route into higher education. Okay, and we always say that when people are disappointed, which will be later on in the summer, uh, because unfortunately there'll always be some students who'll be disappointed that they didn't get their offer. Well, and we're always saying that there are other ways. There are other ways to get yes, where and, and where to you want to go. And of okay. course, the apprenticeships. Is now, there's been a big push in recent years oh, for yes. this. 
the apprenticeships have opened up enormously. Which is great. So again, by getting onto the website www.apprenticeship.ie, there's a wealth of information there. Now, there will be always the information associated with, I suppose, what we would say in the past, the construction-related apprenticeships, such as, we'll say, uh, carpenters, plumbers, electricians, they're all in huge demand. And they have the traditional way of having a sponsor to take them on in the training process and also, of course, in conjunction with fellows of what was formerly called FOSS. And that will go through for a four-year craft certificate. So crafts people, or what some people would say in the past, trades. You know, yeah. that, that is still that um, way of describing it. Now, in, in addition to that, in that same role with the apprenticeships, they now are these new apprenticeships, if you like to call them that, and they deal with a whole range of other particular areas. And they start with auctioneering and pharmaceutical, what? finance, and right down to one of the newer ones, hairdressing. Hairdressing never had an apprenticeship. Oh, well, I never knew that. Yeah, and, and in the finance one, there's insurance. And, you know, with the insurance one, they could be taken on by insurance companies. They will work, uh, you know, because they are workers in, in the industry. And they'll also learn the theory. So in the insurance one, they get on online to IT Sligo, as it happens. So they win every day to, to work, four days. And on the fifth day, they will be doing the theory. But after three years, they will have, if they pass their exams, they will have acquired a level eight honours degree. And in addition to that, during that three years, they're being paid oh, that was by going, employer. My question was going to be, do they get paid for the apprenticeship? They do. They do. Wow. they're workers. And apprentice.ie is the website if people want to check out that. All that information. All that is just there. simply awaiting. Now, the, the pay can vary, but it can vary between 17,000 and 24,000. But some of those apprenticeship roles in Dublin are paying over 30,000. They'd have to be for accommodation, unfortunately, in Dublin. Okay. Well, All right. We will, we will talk again, um, Roisin. In the meantime, thank you for that. And check the website. And You're very welcome. And, and thanks we for joining us. students and parents. Okay. Thank business. you for that. Very uh, good morning to you. That is Roisin Kelleher, our career guidance uh, expert. And you can check out Roisin's website uh, and obviously the CAO application offices at cao.ie. And don't forget, if you grant application body, that's all been done now by Susie. So it's S-U-S-I, Susie.ie. If you fall into that category, you need to get working on your grant. It's 1850 John Paul, taking your calls. It is Monday, so that means Annalise Dressel, our nutritional therapist, will be joining us in the next Next hour, if you've got a nutritional question for Annalise, can you get that into us, please? And we'll catch up with a lot of your calls and comments that will be coming in uh, throughout the morning. All of that happening afternoons at 12 midday. Let's take a break, though, and head to the newsroom. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel & Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Call and collect or get seven-day delivery for those cosy nights in. Lowcostfuel.ie So, you've got a smartphone or tablet. Download the C103 app today and listen to your favourite shows on the go. On your phone. Tablet. Smart speaker. And radio. We are C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
And I can see a lot of questions coming in by text for Annalise Drussell, our nutritional therapist. Thank you for that. Keep those coming. John Paul is also taking calls at 1850 particularly if you have a question for Annalise. And text only, please don't use the WhatsApp. We're having a tech up technical problem with the WhatsApp so by text only to 0862 103 103 we were talking about CAO and apprenticeships and doing people doing fee tech courses in the last hour with Roisin Kelleher our career guidance expert just to get everybody focused and make sure everybody is it's research though so much of it goes down to researching and researching the right course because there's nothing worse than wasting the first year in college or university or on a course and then you discover you're halfway through the course and you don't actually want to do it at all so make sure that the young people I know they're all at school or for the parents to make sure that they have researched it properly John said hi I did PLC courses in healthcare up to level 7 and level 7 is degree level isn't it but no work over a five year period quite shocking to hear that uh, John when you hear of all of the how healthcare is struggling is that anything to do with an embargo even the HSC will say that there isn't any embargo going on but uh, there it is in black and white John finding it very very difficult to get work actually just while I mentioned the HSC can I just give a couple of emails that came in about Bantry Hospital that I want to give a message to and I know there was some texts in earlier when I mentioned the response that I'd had from the HSE last week. Um, Patricia, Bantry Hospital, the petition that's online, the signatures have gone over 5,000 uh, so far and you can I know we hit it up on our Facebook page, I'm assuming it's still on our Facebook page and you can get it on the Friends of Bantry Hospital. They've set up this online petition just to get the message through to the HSE. Hands off Bantry Hospital. Leave it please as is. Another texture there isn't a name on this says uh, on Bantry Hospital the Junior Health Minister Jim Daly gave a very good in inverted commas political session on your radio show last week saying that the hospital would not be downgraded as it is a level 2 but it acts up as a level 3. The main issue however is Bantry staying open 24 hours a day as it is now with patients from West Cork not having to be taken back to CUH. Would you invite the TD back to clarify? Well I don't think I need to invite Jim Daly back to clarify because he is adamant that Bantry Hospital will remain as is. My one fear about it all is that he's only going to be the junior health minister until the new government come into play. He's already no longer a TD but he holds on to his portfolio until the new government come into power and the various portfolios are handed out. That's always my fear with politicians. They're, you know, they, they are doing the very best that they can and they will promise you that this is how it is and this is their reading, this is their interpretation of it. He's adamant that he's been at no meeting with the HSC or the South South West Hospital Group where there's been any mention of changing any structure within Bantry Hospital. It's just this one doctor lead, a clinical lead within the HSE, a consultant, this Dr Michael Ryan, or Dr Michael Power, who is making the suggestion that it needs to be the format of Bantry Hospital needs to change but Jim Daly is adamant that 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 is just one man's view and that that one man even though he is the clinical lead he's the he's the head of it I just I worry about when I see the title that he has but anyway I'm, I'm still grasping holding on and grasping on to straws in the hope that Jim Daly is absolutely 100% right he was adamant in my talk with him last week that that's that it's going to stay as is and of course we still continue to get calls and texts in from people uh, saying as to why Bantry Hospital needs to stay in its current format along with the investment that's going in and there is investment going in and everybody 
really welcomes that. Angela, who lives out on the Beira Peninsula, she actually lives quite close to the Jersey cable car. I'll tell you how far out she is on the Beira Peninsula. She said, I would be appalled to hear anything been changed at Bantry Hospital. My daughter had meningitis and Bantry Hospital saved her life. She actually would not have made it to Cork City. I had a stroke myself a number of years ago and the treatment I received was A1. We would have to travel over 100 miles otherwise and not everybody has transport, says Angela. Thank you for that, Angela. And Brian, email patricia at c103.ie. I write in support of Bantry General Hospital, says Brian from outside of Bantry. A few years ago, it was on a Sunday evening, my wife displayed the classical symptoms of a stroke. Upon Dialing the emergency number, an ambulance was dispatched from Skibbereen as all the local ambulances had already been allocated. My wife was diagnosed with a TIA, which is a mini stroke, and we were immediately transported to Bantry General Hospital. She arrived at the hospital at 10.20pm and by 11.30, just over an hour later, she had undergone a CT scan, an X-ray, full medical examination and had been prescribed the appropriate drug treatment a little over an hour from when she arrived. Compare this to her last visit at the Mercy University Hospital in the city where she spent 32 hours on a trolley despite being seriously ill. I can honestly say the treatment and care given in Bantry was comparable with the world's best hospitals. So I can only say to Mr Brian Carey and his team at Bantry General Hospital a heartfelt Thank you. And that's from Brian in Ruski West in Bantry. Thank you for that. Emailing Patricia at c103.ie. OK, what else were we talking about on the programme this morning? Nolene Blackwell was on uh, about the offer of a landlord saying, I will give you your apartment, the house, rent-free in exchange for sex. The issue that we dealt with last week on the programme. Michael says, Patricia, I have the greatest regard for Nolene Blackwell, but I don't think that her argument would stand up in the courts. Saying something is wrong and the dogs in the street know it is wrong, but proving it are two totally different things. All these, all we want is a case to go belly up and with that they'd have a free run on something that's been going on since the beginning of time, says Michael in Castletown Bear. We were discussing drugs on the programme earlier on and the scourge of drugs and what is wrong with our society and the way our society has gone. Someone is making the point and Mary Lou MacDonald of Sinn Féin, one of the Sinn Féin policies is to give free travel to young people. What would they be using it for? free travel to transport their drugs asks one cynical listener to the programme today. Billy in Mid Cork says, hi Patricia, a mixture of drugs, mood and mind altering and video games are becoming more and more violent is a real cause of crime at the moment. An altercation arises and almost in the person's head who's on a mood mind altering drug. The game starts. Unfortunately the game insists on violent crime and death to win. Oh says Billy in Mid-Cork. You could be on to something there, Billy. I mean, a lot of the video games have become in recent years very, very violent indeed. And you mix that with somebody who is taking a drug or has been taking drug for quite some time. Do they, do they just detach completely from reality and therefore they can inflict that kind of violence? I just wonder how somebody can inflict that kind of violence on another human being. I mean, the story that Fiona featured today from Mayfield, four o'clock in the morning, somebody's door gets kicked in for whatever reason they want to have a go at this man and he gets doused in petrol and then somebody throws a match at him to set him on fire and they're they're looking at that happening 
it's just yeah I, I mean I can only think that they must have taken something how, how would somebody in their right mind want to do something like that to another human being no matter what the other human being they feel has done to them or not done to them just yeah it, it doesn't sit well with me at all so I think Billy you could be right I think it could be a combination of the two it could be the video games that young people are exposed to and that they grow up with and then when they and they and they believe that those video games those video games are so the realism in some of those video games absolutely is it's unreal the graphics or whatever and all of that and then if you add drugs into the mix can they go on to think that they're in their heads they're playing some kind of a video game and James says Patricia would you this is when we're talking about drugs and young people taking drugs I know of a man who told his own 14 year old daughter that it was okay to smoke cannabis Wow, okay, that's obviously somebody who thinks cannabis should be legalised and therefore because he thinks it should be legalised he thinks it's okay for his daughter to smoke cannabis so unreal absolutely unreal some of your calls coming in thank you for those texts some of your calls coming in and the dog barking you know the woman who contacted us who is living in a council estate and she has this massive problem with a dog barking in her estate excessively barking day and night she's got a young child she got onto the council but they said she needs to feel informed she doesn't want to go down that route she just wants it sorted and sorted quickly and was wondering if we could give her any piece of advice or had it happened to anybody else or did anybody know a way around it Dan says I had that very same dog problem that your listener described earlier there is a thing called the Control of Dogs Act I ended up having to go to court says Dan and an order was made to have the dog removed and the dog wasn't allowed to be within a prescribed distance of our house and if it was it would have been taken away by the dog warden says Dan Dan. so the lady does have options comes comes under the control of dog acts thank you for that and Sandy makes the point on the dog barking saying saying, Patricia you actually touched on it the fact that the dog is barking excessively day and night that is not the sound of a happy dog dogs shouldn't be barking day and night there must be something wrong with the dog says Sandy it could be an ISPCA slash dog warden matter the dog is the dog tied up if so it shouldn't be tied up 24-7 certainly with no interaction is it hungry is the dog starving could it be a cruelty case says Sandy yeah I don't know you see I don't know if this woman can actually see the dog or not it's just that the dog is barking excessively I, I'm assuming it's outside tied up or else in a very small garden that's not able to get out and I mean to me it's an unhappy dog certainly sounds to me like an unhappy dog but could it be a cruelty case and we had Lisa O'Donovan on remember Lisa was on with us was it last week the week before talking about in North Cork wasn't it just in somewhere outside of Mallow where they found those adorable God, those adorable dogs, Bichon Freezes and Shih Tzus in, 16 of them, in the most atrocious of conditions. And the only reason that they found those dogs was somebody contacted the ISPCA and there is a number that you can call and you can do it anonymously if you want to. If you know or you think there's a cruelty case going on and that's what happened in that case. Lisa got the call they went out and she said in all of her years as a dog warden, she couldn't believe that the condition these dogs were in. So maybe, I don't know, I don't know the full case of, the full circumstances of this case that this woman is talking about. But if it's a cruelty case, it certainly is worth, in, it's worth ringing about. And uh, somebody can go take a look at it, even if, because my suggestion had been for 
this listener to talk to the owner, but you know, not everyone, not everyone gets on with their neighbours as well, and people might be afraid of oh, if I get if I do that, I'm going to bring trouble on myself, and you know, and for that reason, maybe they don't want to talk to the neighbour. I don't know. I just don't know the full circumstances. Only that there was excessive barking going on day and night, and to me, that is not normal. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp oh eight six two. 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. The Donnerail Active Retirement Group, they are meeting at 3 o'clock this afternoon. That's in the community centre. All are very welcome. Dramahan National School Parents Association, they're presenting a talk by Liam Ducey. Challenges facing parents in modern Ireland. That's on at half past seven this evening. Topics will include building resilience, bullying, social media, self-esteem, effective communication. Admission is free and all are welcome. You do need to register though at eventbrite.ie or you can pick up tickets from the school office. Mitchellstown Operation Transformation, that's in aid of Mitchellstown. Special Friends resuming their 2K and 5K walks on tomorrow, Tuesday. It'll run for eight weeks on Tuesdays and also on Thursdays at 7.15. You can register um, at half past six tomorrow. Volunteers wanted to train as group facilitators for a new cancer support service in Formoy. Training will start in mid-September. You can contact Jacqueline on 089-239-0863 or email cantalk15 at gmail.com and the burning of cork will be the topic for the first public lecture hosted by Ducas Clonakilty Heritage for 2020. Michael Lenahan will deliver the lecture this Thursday 8 o'clock in the Clonakilty Parish Centre. Cork today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas and kiln dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. Now canvassing at Mass. Willie was not just about this. He said he was going to Mass on Sunday morning and there were two politicians out canvassing. Uh, Willie says, I don't think they should be canvassing right outside the church. I think the bishop or somebody needs to come out and clarify the situation also. As they separate church and state, is it right that they come back to the church when they need a vote? There was a time when you would have out, as people were coming out of mass, it used to be a great place for people to canvass. I suppose it was before we had social media and all of that. And there would be the back of a truck and there'd be the would-be politician standing up on the back of the truck and they'd be using a megaphone. Remember those days? And there would be a huge crowd would gather around. That was always done outside of mass. But I suppose in the candidates' defence, they need to go places where they're going to meet people so as, and as many people as they can in the one setting. It's one of the reasons why you'll often see candidates inside in supermarkets are inside in shopping centres or you'll see them if they want to canvas the farmers they'll go to the mart anywhere where a group of people gather and I suppose they would look at a church and say that's where a group of people gather so they try and catch people on the way in or on the way out I don't know if the church really really can come out and say to a politician you can't canvas outside the church I mean outside the footpath outside the church belongs to to no one it doesn't belong to the church there's nothing 
I, I, I can't see anything wrong with it. Maybe I'm misunderstanding your point, but we'll put it out there to see or others. Would you be put, put off going to Mass? I've heard of people being put off going to Mass because there's collections outside and collections for political parties, I know, really annoy people when they're going in and out of Mass. But would you be put off of going to Mass because when you get to the church there's somebody canvassing maybe the candidate themselves maybe somebody on behalf of the candidates and handing out the leaflets and the flyers is that something off-putting to you? Uh, if so give us a call at 1850 333 103 John Paul taking your calls uh, you can text don't WhatsApp please just text 0862 103 103 Now can I stay on the election and on the topic of the election for the moment because there was a tweet at the weekend that was put up by Fianna Fáil TD Kevin O'Keefe. Kevin O'Keefe is running for re-election in the Cork East constituency and he posted a tweet of him standing beside a stretch limo and on the side of the stretch limo is one of his posters saying, you know, vote number one for Kevin O'Keefe. It was very obviously a joke. Uh, but not everyone saw it as a joke. Kevin O'Keefe joins me. Uh, good afternoon, she Kevin. Good afternoon, Patricia. Now, can we? A- I'm very well. Can we, at the outset, put it out there? You are not canvassing in a stretch limo. I could have could have afford this stretch limo, Patricia. I mean, an army car will canvass in there, but the record. Um, look, I was going out a long day, started, and I came back from an event, pulled into a filling station, and they're so happy to be beside me a stretch limo. I knew the people who wanted this. And they were telling me that from back from, from Dublin um, with some people from um, the, uh, Russell Rawls who were over uh, to the Adelans um, during the Holland final. And they, they last, and I said, we'll try and give you a, a winning number here. So we said, we'd put it on the main stretch off, off my car and put it onto the, put it onto the dilemma. And so I just took a picture and just put it up on Twitter. But obviously people thought I, I was being serious when having the car on the campaign, but I don't have the car on the campaign because I could not afford that. And I wouldn't even think to do that again. You know, um, I go out in my army Monday or care for the record. And I apologise. Um, if people picked up the, the message wrong, obviously the majority of people picked up wrong, but I think a lot of people did see the humor side of the I have been, I've got enormous phone calls from people saying to Kevin, we know what you're doing. And, you know, there's always been a time out in the campaign again. Like, you know, there's a big issue for us homelessness, housing, roads, broadband in talk. Um, I could go on for the day with the, with the list of issues I was given to those, uh, time with age and that. But this was a, a tweet that I put up, and I probably would not put up any more for the time being because obviously there's people out there who, who um, have a way of reading them. And people, people, people actually thought that you were canvassing in a stretch limo, and obviously the theory being you're out of touch if you're canvassing in a stretch limo. I don't think there's anyone in the country canvassing in, in a stretch limo, is there, Kevin? No, 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 no. no. And you can be sure one thing, Patricia. I am not out of touch. I'm, I'm a man on the ground in cocky. For the last four years, I elected a director and before that, the county council, and I'm in touch on the ground with the people. And I know the issue that you know, but this was just a bit of, it was a, a bit of a, a thing that maybe picked up wrong at the end of the day. And you, and it was it was taken down immediately. And I know that Fina Gale also had to take down, and I'm sure it went up on Twitter. I I saw it online. They had a kind of a little funny video that they were depicting Fianna Fáil TDs running around uh, looking for policies to the Benny Hill team and they had to take that down. I don't know if you saw that. Are we losing our sense of humour a little bit? 
Maybe it's more of it. I think I think I think we are. Um, I'm not a big user of Twitter. Um, uh, I suppose I, I just had one glance at that um, that tweet from Finnegan. Like, listen, that's the, they have that campaign style, whatever they're going. That's their business they're going. But um, I just think you know, this was just a, a campaign for uh, at the end of the day, following up opportunity just to have a bit of a human with my supporters and that, like you know, in in in, in the area. Like. Okay, all right, but just you want to let people know you're, you're not canvassing the stretch anymore, and that's that's the message we want to get out for you this morning. Okay, all right, listen, we need a white Monday. All right, thanks for that, Kevin, that's and thanks for joining us. That's uh, Kevin O'Keefe, uh, TD, who is running for re-election in uh, Cork East. Uh, 1850-333-103. Mary says that will tell you how out of touch politicians are showing off big uh, cars, but. It, he was only going into the photograph. I don't know if we're just losing our, our sense of humour. Did, did others see the Fianna Fall or the Fianna Gale video? It was kind of a funny video that they did depicting, it's meant to be Fianna Fall TDs and, you know, they had those masks on them letting on to be Micheál Martin. I think one of them was meant to be Willie O'Dea and uh, who else was there? And they were running around and it was such like a Benny Hill, you know, looking for policies and they had to take that down I was thinking you know are we just absolutely losing our sense of humour uh, when it gets to this stage where we are people are out canvassing everybody seems to just lose their sense of humour now it could have a lot to do as well with the first of the opinion polls that came out of the weekend showing a 12 point gap between Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil but take that please with a pinch of salt because remember the poll was taken between the 2nd of January and the 14th of January the 14th of January would have been just when the general election was being called and but the one thing I think from Fianna Gael's point of view that would be most worrying for them uh, was that was at the height of the the plans to commemorate the RIC or the Black and Tan commemoration as it was called and I think that may have had a huge effect on how people responded to that opinion pause. Okay, we're going to leave it all there for now because I need to take a break and come back and chat with Annalise Drissel, our nutritional therapist because I can see a lot of questions coming in for Annalise. You can keep them coming. 1850 John Paul is taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kiln dried wood, and gas. Lowcostfuel.ie. A brand new way for you to win over a thousand euro on tomorrow's show. Three new celebrities guess their names, win the cash. Would one of the thieves be Connor Howard? Good morning. Would it be Steer Sharon in the third one? Could be another tricky morning on the roads. We'll give you a helping hand and get you to where you need to be as soon as possible and give you the best soundtrack in Cork while we're doing it. See you tomorrow. I'm back from 6 a.m. For C103 photos and more, follow us on Instagram at C103Cork. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. And Annalise Drisala, our nutritional therapist based at the Health Hub Times Square in Balancholic, joins me. Good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon, Patricia. And lots and lots and lots of questions in, so let's get straight in. Now, Catherine was on, and I don't know if you can answer this or it's more of a medical problem, but Catherine says, question for Annalise, please. I am a lady of 55. Um, I have had the marina co- coil in 
inserted for the past five years. It's coming out in March of this year. As I was told, my menopause would be over by then. I originally went on the Marina contraceptive because of very heavy periods. I haven't had a period now for over a year. But then at the end of the year and at the start of this year, I had a little breakthrough bleed. And I'm just wondering now, could it be that the menopause isn't over? If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yes. Uh, any advice? Welcome, please. Well, it possibly isn't, Patricia, and I suppose it's not possible to know until the coil comes out. Now, I know that breakthrough bleeding can happen on that coil anyway. Uh, It would be a common enough issue. So it's hard to know whether it's the hormone from the coil causing it or if it is menopause. But really, she'll know once the the coil comes out. Now, I, I, I normally don't really believe in taking things, Patricia, unless you need something. But maybe in this case, it might be no harm starting off on something just maybe the, um, you know, when the coil comes out, something like uh, maybe the Clean Marine Menomin. So this is a, a supplement designed for women in the menopause, but uh, there's krill oil in it, which is lovely. And I think it does a few different jobs. It's, the krill oil is the omega-3 fish oils, except it comes from krill as, as opposed to fish. So all, as I always say, they do a lot of jobs in the body. They're great for protecting your brain, the fatty tissue in the brain. So they prevent against age-related um, degeneration of the brain. They're great for the joints. They're lovely for the skin. They're good to keep your good cholesterol up and your bad cholesterol down. So they do a lot of different jobs in the body. They act as natural anti-inflammatories. So it might be no harm starting that maybe just before the coil comes out. There are other few other bits and pieces in it as well that are very good for balancing the hormones. And maybe try it for a couple of months and then wean yourself off that and see if you have any symptoms. And if you don't, 
then you're through it and you're finished and done with. Okay, Mary says, hi Patricia and Annalise, is there anything I can take to clear up uh, vaginal thrush? Very uncomfortable, particularly at night. Yeah, so it is uh, a very common thing, Patricia, for women after antibiotics, but actually um, it's also very common for women around menopause as well. Uh, It can become a problem. So there is a, a probiotic called Candia. It's by BioCult. They do lots of different probiotics, but this particular one is designed for thrush. It's spelled C-A-N-D-E-A. Now, you can actually take one of the capsules, but you can also insert a capsule. If you take a probiotic, um, the bacteria work their way down through the back passage, Patricia, so it takes a good while for them to work their way around to the vagina for women. So that's the nice thing about this is that the capsule will dissolve so you can get the bacteria directly in there very quickly. So you'll get that in any health shop, but you might get it in the pharmacy as well, the BioCult Candia. And then for instant relief, there is a lovely spray called Topida, T-O-P-I-D-A. And that's a really soothing spray for itch and um, soreness. And it's by a company called Salcura. uh, And you'll get that again. You'll get that in any health shop. Okay, seeing as you've mentioned antibiotics, listeners said I've been on anti I've been on two antibiotics in the last few weeks. I'm feeling really tired. I'm just wondering, would vitamin B be of any help? Thanking you. Yeah, I think that vitamin B complex is always a great one for uh, giving you a bit of an energy boost. It's great for the nervous system function and for the energy pathways. Uh, but I think in this case, I'd nearly recommend a full multi, Patricia, because um, after an antibiotic you know, you've been sick, obviously. So your system might do with a bit of a tonic and getting a multivitamin that'll have all the B vitamins in there, but will also have vitamin D, zinc for the immune system. Um, It'll have vitamin C in it as well. So it'll be a lot more broader and be much better as a tonic than just the plain B complex. And I'm a big fan of the Source of Life Gold as a tonic because it gives you all those vitamins and minerals, but there's also some herbs in there that'll give you an instant energy boost. Plus, there's extra stuff in there to support the immune system. So I think after being sick, uh, one month of the Source of Life Gold is a great tonic to get you back up and going. Yeah, and it's probably the one that we get the most reaction from listeners who will come back and say that was great advice, the Source of Life. I call it it the gold juice. Yeah, it really is. It is great. Uh, Hi, would Annalise uh, please suggest what is the best collagen product on the market? So now it depends on whether you want collagen for skin or collagen for joints. Um, because they might be formulated slightly differently. So there's lots of different collagen products on the market. If you want it for your joints, um, it generally will come with other things that support the joints, um, like glucosamine, um, chondroitin, MSM, which is sulfur. So one of the best ones for the collagen for joints is um, by Revive the company that make Revive Active and it is the Revive Joint Complex and that is very, very good. Uh, it gives you everything you need in there collagen-wise but also um, other, all the other bits and pieces to support healthy joints. And then if you want it with for skin, it tends to come then with things that support the skin. So you might get it coming with vitamin C and something called hyaluronic acid. Now hyaluronic acid is in all the beauty products coming out in terms of face creams at the moment, Patricia. And what hyaluronic acid does is it kind of holds a lot of water. So if it gets in under your skin there, it holds loads of water, makes your skin lovely and plumpy. So it can plump out um, fine lines and wrinkles. And then collagen is used to build the kind of matrix that our skin hangs on. And it's when we lose collagen, that's when we lose 
you know, the elasticity in the skin. Mm. So a good collagen should be hydrolyzed. And so the ones that I get good feedback on are um, the, the, um, one of my favorite ones is one by Golden Greens. And it's a collagen complex. It's not a very fancy looking packet, but you, it's a very good value one. It was um, before the VAT went on. It was Thirty-five, ninety-five. It's gone up now to forty, eighty because of the VAT. But there's a lovely um, amount of hyaluronic acid in there, so you get both. Uh, you can buy. There was another one again. That I tried myself um, just before Christmas. I did a month of it, and I thought it was great. It's by a company called Valens, and it's called Premium Collagen Complex. Um, the Revive Company they do a beauty complex as well which is very good, but to be honest, I find it a bit pricey for what it is. So if you go into your local health shop, they'll probably have a range, maybe including those ones I've just mentioned, but just make sure it's hydrolyzed because it's no good if it's not hydrolyzed. And also, I think the marine collagen is kind of preferable to the bovine because we're all worried about, you know, the, the cow's bones being yeah. used with BSC, etc. Okay, and it was for the skin. The listeners come back with collagen for the skin. She was looking for it. So well done. You answered that perfectly. Uh, hi, Patricia. Could you ask Annalise, what could be used to help with moderate diverticular disease? Moderate. So with, with diverticular disease, what happens is that the, the colon is made of a very kind of elastic muscle. Um, it's kind of, you know, you can, you can imagine what it looks like. You'll have seen it when you're making, you know, the sausages. Um, it's, it's kind of a bit thicker than that. So what happens with that is that little pouches blow out, little kind of balloony pouches blow out in that elastic muscle. And with diverticulitis, then what happens is food matter can get stuck in those pouches and it'll rot and become infected. And that's where you get the severe pain and the, the problems with diverticulosis. So with moderate moderate diverticulosis, the main thing really is to prevent that from happening. And you want to maintain a regular bowel movement. So I find one of the best things to take is the psyllium husk. Psyllium husk is a type of soluble fibre that will help bring form to a stool. If if um, If you tend to suffer from constipation, it'll kind of soften it and it'll smooth the passage. But if you suffer from diarrhea, it can bring form to a loose stool as well. So I think that's one of the best things for preventing problems with diverticulosis. And you might want to take a digestive enzyme as well, just to make sure that you're breaking down your proteins properly and your fats properly so that there's less undigested food passing through the colon. And your health shop will be able to help you with a suitable one of those. Um, And then I suppose the last thing is to mention in terms of diet, Patricia, they recommend that you don't take small seeds because they can get stuck in there. You know, they're very, very hard to digest. So avoid things like chia seeds, maybe linseeds, um, strawberries and raspberries that have those tiny, small seeds. If you want to take them, just grind them really, really well and then it shouldn't cause a problem. Mary in Kilcrohan, could you suggest a natural product to help get rid of plaque in the arteries? So, yes, so the plaque in the arteries is where calcium has caused hardening of um, cholesterol that has built up in the arteries. And the danger is that that plaque, with that plaque, it can break off, Patricia, and form um, a clot and cause a heart attack or a stroke. So um, to decrease plaque formation, I suppose one of the things that I've been doing a lot of research on recently is the role of vitamin K2 for preventing the calcification of, of, of the arteries. 
So I think a good vitamin D2, a D3 and K2 supplement will help prevent further buildup. Vitamin C is also a very important one, Patricia, for just for the elasticity and the health of arteries because there's a big role to play in collagen formation for vitamin C. So a vitamin C would be another one that I'd recommend. Now, there are certain enzymes that they say could take down plaque. Um, there's very little clinical evidence on it, Patricia, but there is some anecdotal evidence of people who say they've reduced plaque. And these would be things like um, the peptase enzymes. Serapeptase is the name of the enzyme that claims to do it. You'll find that in any health shop. Um, I have a, another brand here in the shop called Propeptase. So either serapeptase or Propeptase may help take the plaque down that's already there. But I think in terms of reversal, you really do have to follow quite a strict heart-healthy diet like the Mediterranean diet and make sure that you're not taking sugar, a lot of sugar, because I think that plays a role in hardening the cells of the arteries as well. Okay, hi Trish and Annalise. Could you suggest a good tonic, please, after a viral chest infection and a horrible lingering cough? That's some jar in Newmarket and so many people are complaining of that lingering cough that they just can't get rid of. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a very sticky one. All right, Patricia, I'm seeing it with customers in the shop as well. So the tonic, I think, again, we could go back to the source of life gold liquid because really there is nothing quite like it in terms of giving you a good lift. And then I've found that the olive leaf extract is great for lingering viral infections. Um, I've taken it myself and I felt one, I'll never forget after that 100 day cough that they were calling it a few years ago, I had it and taking it and actually feeling like my old self and I'd nearly forgotten what it was like to wake <laughs> up full of energy. So the olive leaf extract is great, but you really do need to take it in the liquid form. Um, so you'll get either of those in any health shop. If you can't take the source of life gold for any reason, because there is a bit of ginseng in it, so it might be suitable for people whose blood pressure isn't controlled, or some people will find that um, the ginseng might make them jittery. If you tend to be jittery on coffee and tea, you might be a bit jittery on ginseng, so it mightn't work well for you. So if that doesn't work as a good tonic, maybe try something like... Um, the Floridix is a very nice one, or the Oxylent is a great one. It comes in sachets, and it's a very well-absorbed overall broad-spectrum multivitamin tonic. Okay, and there is, where's this question gone? Caltrate tablets. Uh, would that put up blood pressure and cholesterol? So I don't know what the, I think the Caltrate, Patricia, is the, is the um, is like a, a calcium. They're ca- I just Googled it. Yeah, they're calcium yeah. tablets. So it shouldn't actually put up your blood pressure. Calcium now, supplement I, tablets. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, the, it's like the calcium and those. It shouldn't actually put your blood pressure up. In fact, good healthy calcium should help you maintain a healthy blood pressure along with magnesium and potassium. Uh, they all work together to manage your blood pressure. But those, look, I, I think people do react strangely, you know, sometimes to things that they should, that the doctor will say, that couldn't possibly do it. But I've seen it again and again that people are reacting. So... If you do feel that your blood pressure is a little bit out of control, perhaps stop the cal- that caltrate supplement for a little while and see do things settle down. Um, it may or may not be the cause. The one thing that we've spoke about before, Patricia, um, about these calcium supplements is that there has been um, evidence that has linked those supplements to an increased risk of heart disease. And I think that that's because the calcium hardens the cholesterol in the arteries and it contributes to that plaque formation. So I like to see people take a lower dose of calcium because I think we get plenty in our diet and a vitamin D3 to help absorb the calcium that we do get 
and then a vitamin K2 to prevent the calcific, you know, the calcification in the arteries and to ensure that the calcium reaches the bone successfully. So that might be a nice alternative from the health store is something with a lower dose of calcium and a proper vitamin okay. D and K2 in there Okay, well. well done. And Martin, one of our listeners says, fair play to Annalise Giselle. She's answered every single question you put to her today and she does that every week, Martin. Thank you for that, Annalise. Have a lovely Thanks, week. Patricia. We'll chat next week. Thank you. Bye-bye. That is Annalise Giselle of the Health Hub, Times Square in Ballancolic. I can see a couple of people responding to Kevin O'Keefe who joined us about the tweet that he put up that he said he put up as a joke uh, and I was saying are we losing our sense of humour someone says losing our sense of humour there's nothing funny about politics today in our country it just goes to show it's a bunch of clowns that are running it and not everybody happy uh, with uh, Kevin O'Keefe putting up that uh, tweet they didn't see the funny side of it at all canvassing outside a church a listener says as regards canvassing outside a church the priest in our church gave a sermon about the election and how his own grand father was killed in the troubles and to be sure to get out and vote. He, that particular priest says this listener, I'm sure he would love to see canvassers canvassing outside the church. But others were on, including Willie, who raised the issue of canvassing at the church to say, I don't know what church it was at, that the person canvassing, the two people canvassing, were actually on the church property. They were at the door. Do you know, they were waiting. You know, the, the priest would stand sometimes to greet people as they're leaving the church. That's where they were doing it. I don't know if they need permission for that or not. OK, that's where we leave it for today. Uh, my thanks to John Paul Mac. Namara for uh, producing. We'll talk to you again tomorrow at 10 o'clock. On to then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon until tomorrow at 10. I'm Patricia Messenger. Good afternoon. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Call and collect or get seven day delivery for those cosy nights in. Lowcostfuel.ie. Hello, this is Eric Griffin. Join me Monday to Friday between 7 and 8 for some great songs on C103 Anthems. And then... Hello, this is Declan Ernie here. Hello, this is Sean Keane. Hello, this is Cathy Durkin. Hi, this is Louise Morrissey. Hi, this is Mick Flavin. Hello, this is Daniel O'Donnell here and you're listening to Country and Irish with Eric Griffin on C103. Don't miss Anthems at 7 and the very best of Country and Irish from 8. Right here on C103. Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.